Divorce Conversations, where we analyze, navigate, and troubleshoot all stages of your romantic life. I'm your host, Igor Meisterman, a divorce attorney turned relationship coach. Hello, everybody. And today, we're going to have a very interesting episode. Um, something that I've been reflecting a lot about and uh, in my conversations with couples that I work with um, comes up regularly. And since we're still in the month of Elul on the Hebrew calendar, uh, which stands for I am to my beloved, my beloved is unto me. One of the ideas that I shared uh, recently um, is that uh, interesting how the progression um, in that phrase is I am to my beloved and my beloved is unto me. I am to my beloved goes first, which implies that we have to take initiative. It has to come from us first. That the idea of, of real love, real connection, is not going to be driven by um, how I react to something I receive. That I assume a taker's position, a taker's role, and if you uh, I know, bring me my slippers, and if you make me a good supper, then I will show up as a loving spouse, supporting spouse, etc. If my kids behave, and if they do things I tell them to do, and they're obedient, then I can be a good parent. Instead, the idea is that I go first. What I put out into the world, that is what I'm going to receive back. Might not be right away. It might take time. But the idea is that that is how real transformation and connection in relationships takes place. I go first. And therefore, will I be a master of initiatives or I'm just going to be a master of reactions? And unfortunately, most people settle for that reactionary role. But today, I want to shine light on something a little bit different. Um, and even though I'm a relationship coach, a therapist, um, I decided that I'm going to dedicate episodes of dividing and segmenting, bifurcating uh, the roles. And so today I wanted to actually shine more light and bring focus onto the role of men. And um, while it's, it's always tempting to just stay focused on sharing what goes on for my clients and for uh, people that I work with, people who share with me their journeys, um, I actually want to start with myself. And so it's definitely a little bit of a self-disclosure, um, but I feel like it's it's appropriate and fair that um, people also know that I'm, I'm a real person and, uh, and with my own challenges and struggles. And just because I do this work doesn't mean that I've uh, become an expert with no flaws. And um, just to, so to start anecdotally, um, something very interesting happened in my house about a month ago. Um, some of my uh, kids came over to me, the older ones, um, and and basically told me that um, they they feel pretty upset, they they feel pretty resentful um, at the fact that I am almost never available. That I'm usually with clients, and I don't make time for them. I don't make time for the family. Um, and it was, you know, an initial feeling as a man was you're so ungrateful. Um, I worked so hard. In, so that you could have the sneakers you like and you could have the sweater that you want. Um, and and there was definitely a feeling of like, I'm not appreciated. I'm, I'm not valued. 
So why am I working so hard? What am I, what am I doing all this for? If this is how it's going to be received. But then I allow, as I allow that feeling to get processed and the voices in my head filter out, um, I ask myself the deeper questions, which is, could there be truth to what they're saying? Am I willing to be open to hearing another perspective other than my own voice in my head, my own defensiveness, my own, um, my own, my own emotions around, you know, my reaction to hearing, to hearing what they're sharing. And it was very interesting that as I allowed that question to kind of wash over me, and then I was willing to even sit down with my wife and then ask her even more painful question, which is, is this true? <laughs> right? That is, that is a question. Who wants to ask? What guy wants to just walk over to their wife and say, can you tell me, am I really this messed up? Uh, did the kids size up well their father? Right? Who does that? I'm the father. Right? I get to know what, what is correct, what is right, what is appropriate. I don't get to listen to a pre-teenager tell me. And um, my wife, who was an amazing person, uh, was able to very gently redirect me away from my own uh, biases and preconceptions. And essentially begin with, which I think is a very welcoming question. I highly recommend to all of you out there listening, if you ever want to try it out and approach it from the perspective of, as follows, she said to me, do you think that there's truth to what the kids are saying? Ouch. I was sitting like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe you just asked me this question. Uh, because my personality is I pick truth over comfort. That's my rule, truth over comfort. So I'm sitting like, oh my gosh, if they're saying it, there's a good chance that there's some truth to what they're saying. I, I need to explore this. I, I need to get to the bottom of this. And I was willing to sit down and have an honest, vulnerable conversation with them, ask what their needs were, um, where do their feelings come from. And I even expressed to them, what about the reality of our lives? There's different things you guys want. I want to be able to provide those things for you. So I have to work hard. And uh, then, you know, if I have to work less, there's a possibility that we'll not be able to have all the things that you guys tend to ask me for. How do you feel about that? And it was amazing what a honest and open conversation we all wound up having. And um, I think it brought us all closer together. And it also gave me much more clarity um, about my role in our family, both as a husband and as a father. And so this is where I really wanted to take a deeper dive uh, and share something that I think goes on for a lot of men, but is not really spoken out is not really addressed in a deep way to a point of being resolved. Maybe the ideas are being floated around, but are not resolved. And um, for those of you who are who are checking out um, this episode in the video format, you, you might be able to see in, in the background, um, I have a YouTube channel called Relationship Reimagined. And in my background, you see that I hung up on my wall um, a bunch of quotes. Um, I Since my language of love are words of affirmation, um, uh, which I highly recommend if you ever wanted to just get to know yourself a little better. You can look at Gary Chapman's book, The Five Love Languages, kind of one of the classics. And my language of love is words of affirmation. And so um, I just hung up on the wall different quotes from different people 
that I'm a very big fan of, that I followed over the years, that I found inspiring, moving, insightful. And I decided to be brave. And in that group of quotes hanging there, um, I stuck in one of the quotes that I humbly would like to call my own. Um, and the quote reads like this. Um, after 120, um, which is Jewish reference to that person uh, doesn't live more than until 120 years of age. And so I wrote that uh, after 120, I will be judged what type of husband and father I was. Everything else is a distraction. After 120, I'll be judged what type of a husband and father I was. Everything else is a distraction. And what I did is I typed it up on the regular Word document, printed it, put it in a frame. And on a Friday night at a Sabbath table, I brought it as a surprise to the table in the frame. Um, I put it upside down on the table and I told my kids, um, I'd like to call for a family meeting. Occasionally we do fun things like that at our house. Um, I jokingly tell them, this is my Stelman Corporation. I'm the chairman of the board. <laughs> and so I'm calling a meeting. And by the way, if you want to try it out, it's, it could be really fun. I mean, it obviously depends what type of kids you have and their attention span and who has what levels of ADD or ADHD. But, um, my, my kids tend to really get into it. Uh, they feel like a certain, like certain sense of power and, uh, uh, I think worth that we're having such a meeting and there's a certain importance to it. So anyways, I called this, um, board meeting and, um, and I said, you know, I want to share with all of you something that you all helped me realize. And that is, um, how much I've misplaced priority and importance of my role as a husband and a father. And how much that role right now is more important than anything else in my life. And yes, I have to work and I have to earn a living and provide for our family. Uh, and yes, I have to be a supportive husband and show up for mommy the way that she needs me. But all of you, or many of you have voiced also to me how you need me to show up as a father. Um, and not going to lie, things got very emotional really quick. Um, I started crying. Uh, some of my kids started crying. It was a very vulnerable journey of sharing. Uh, and then I picked up the frame and I showed them um, what it said on it. And I read it out loud to all of them. And they all just stared at me, I think, with a mix of being in awe and being like, wow, what in the world is happening right now? And I decided to just share from the heart. Um, what was going on for me, what was taking place in my own world and what my journey looked like. And um, I wanted them to see what it looks like to be vulnerable, to be open to grow and changing, um, and to be willing to explore um, whether it's mistakes we made, whether it's attitudes we've taken on, and how we could change them. And I felt that I was accomplishing two things. One, I was showing them concretely the, the, the substance of what it is that I was trying to do, while at the same time, I was also showing them what it means for a human being to authentically, genuinely engage in a transformational process. And um, I think that itself is also a tremendous lesson to show our spouses and our children how we're willing to be malleable, we're, we're willing to be um, 
willing to hear out perspectives other than those that are convenient for us to hear, other than those that reinforce our already existing narrative, and to be willing to step out of our own echo chambers and to actually be willing to hear something outside of that perspective, right? Because think about this. If I'm only willing to stay within my comfort zone and I'm only willing to keep hearing the same content that reinforces the same outcome, well, then I'm never growing. I'm actually standing still. When is growth opportunity going to be, if not stepping into new space? Think about that. The only way I grow is if I step into new space. If I stay in my constantly same space, then there's nothing growing, nothing's changing. So I want to share, and I know that it resonates with a lot of people because it's been discussed with a lot of my clients and they've said how much it resonates with them. So I want to share a few interesting ideas and like typical things that especially men have shared with me and I've shared with them. And I hope it resonates with you. Um, you know, one of the kind of central themes of um, Orthodox Jewish life is this idea of Talmud Torah connected Kulam. Torah is, in terms of its weight and value, could stand on one side of the scale and all the other mitzvahs, all the other commandments could be on the other side of the scale. And I feel like what that has done is it created a cer certain cultural norms and expectations that have actually pressurized our roles as husbands and fathers and has caused us to misprioritize, misprioritize. Um, I cannot tell you how many times conversations that take place with men go something like this. I wake up early in the morning, I go and learn, then I go and pray, then I go to work and I come home wiped out. And then somehow you're telling me, Igor, that somehow I have to find the energy, um, strength, um, curiosity, creativity to engage my wife and my kids after I come home from already a easily 12 to 14 hour day from the day I woke up till I showed up back at my house. How am I supposed to do that? And Whenever I bring up something like, well, let's see what your current schedule is, and is there anything in it that could be cut back? Is there anything that we could then borrow from so that there is some energy left for your family, um, for your role as a husband, for your role as a father? And it's amazing how one of the first pushbacks is, what do you mean? You want me to give up some of my learning? Uh, you want me to give up some of my time from prayer? I shouldn't pray at a minion? Should I pray in, in you know at a congregation in, in a synagogue? But Talmud Torah can I get cool? Torah's value is preeminent. And so this is where I wind up going to really interesting conversations with men. Because uh, you know, one of the things I like to draw on is Shlomo Melech, King Solomon, right, famously in, in, in Kohelas in Ecclesiastes, has this beautiful poetic layout of uh, you know, I call it it's time. There's time, it's time for reaping, it's time for sowing, it's time for being happy, it's time to be mourning, to be in a state of mourning. And um, one of the things that I always took away from that is life is not simple. Life is actually quite complicated. And if I had to boil down to what it means to live an Orthodox Jewish life, is it really boils down to developing the skill of how to prioritize. 
Developing the ability to say, at any given moment, I have competing considerations. I have competing energies pulling on me. How do I figure out where I allocate my most precious resource, my energy and time? How do I make the determination? And if I have come to a realization of how I should allocate, then I'm all in. After that, I'm going all in and I'm going to love it. I'm going to appreciate it. I'm going to experience gratitude and thanks to God for giving me opportunity to live out that priority because now I have clarity that this is what I'm supposed to do. So when men tell me in a vacuum, tell them the Torah can I get cool. Torah is the most permanent value. I like to ask back questions such as who says that that's true at all times? Where did you get from that right now? That is the pre preeminent value. Maybe right now something else is a more important consideration. And if we ask people who you trust, mentors, rabbinic figures, people who you see guidance from, um, and we conclude that something else right now takes priority, then that's it. Now you know what you're supposed to do. Now you know what God's will is for you in that situation. And what could be more special, meaningful, productive than to do God's will? If I know what his will is and I'm performing it, then I'm aligned. But if I'm just doing something that in my head I've convinced myself is the right thing to do, but I'm misaligned, then how much that could be a, a very much a wasted enterprise, a misplaced energy, misplaced um, understanding. And another thing that I want to add here also is it fascinates me how much while Many men go through this type of a intellectual analysis, but in the background, there's also other dimensions to us as men, right? There's also a emotional realm. There's energetic realm. Uh, you know, somebody came over to me and told me um, how much he has not been able to really come to learning at a synagogue where he would love to go and attend classes. He hasn't been able to come to um, prayer services at the at the synagogue and because just there's so many demands from the family. And the, he, was, he was sharing with me so much guilt and discomfort um, that he was experiencing and sense of void, the sense of being disconnected. And it was very sad just to listen to it. To me, it was very sad that, that this person was finding himself in, in such a situation. But you know, one of the things that then came to my mind was the fact that why aren't you finding meaning, purpose, fulfillment from these roles. Why is it that, you know, I get to wake up at five in the morning with a screaming child so my wife could sleep in, so that she could be a human being during the rest of the day because she got a good rest and she'll be able to show up as a good spouse for me. Why isn't that there? And so, oh, hello. Okay, everybody, literally can't make this up. So for me, it is six in the morning. And as I'm recording this, as I'm recording this um, episode, my daughter just brought in my two-year-old. Here he is. And, um, and now um, we have company with us. So um, 
<laughs> it's unbelievable. <laughs> I have to laugh. This, this couldn't have been scripted better. Um, hey, Tanya. So, um, one of the things that um, then became a point of, of contention internally was, wait a second, why do I operate this way? How did I misperceive um, my role? Why is it that my mindset is, um, it's like, you know, in economics, they have a term opportunity cost. You know, I, there was a higher opportunity available. That's the opportunity of um, um, going and learning, being in the synagogue and, and personal growth. And there wasn't a realization that, no, the highest opportunity available right now is being a father and a husband and showing up in those roles where people around you, your family, your children, your, your wife are leaning on you and you could be that rock and uh, the spine, the strength that everybody draws from so that I could look in the mirror and see a man that I've become and the value that I bring to the table and take pride in it, enjoy it, value it, cherish it. And instead, it's being filled with guilt, um, uh, re uh, resentment. Can't tell you how many times I hear this. It's unbelievable. Um, where the feeling that the men will share with me things like, well, when is she going to do her part? And uh, why is this all on me? Now, happens to be, I, I want to be fair. This is not an episode about, okay, you be Superman and let her check out of life. That is not the conversation at all. Both spouses should carry responsibility. Both spouses should be doing important things, um, um, especially in the realm of sharing, having um, kind of a finger on the pulse of each other, knowing where your max out point is, and then being able to call upon your, your life partner, your spouse, to step in and to help you and to work through things together. But that is very different than at the same time saying, I want to pick the path of minimal involvement and hope that things in the background happen in autopilot. Realize that God gave us these roles, especially the role of being a husband and a father, to be emulating God. And part of what that involves is to be a mashpia, to be an influencer. It's funny, you know, like right now the world seems to be like so kind of swarmed with coaches, people who are influencers, people who are saying, I'm here to make impact. I want to impact others' lives. And the funny thing is that we all as men have been given this godly task to be influencers. And the place where that starts is in our homes with our families to, to influence the, the direction, the vision, the mission statement, the value statement for our families. And there's a group of people in that home our wives, our children, who are literally waiting for guidance, inspiration, reassurance from us. And yeah, maybe some, some men are wiser than others. Some men have more life experiences than others. Some will make mistakes and blunder. But you know what? At the same time, as we do all those things, we grow. And if we're engaging it in an authentic way, in a vulnerable way, and we're willing to share with our families, then the more we do that, the more we are allowing our leadership to blossom. We're, we're going to grow as people. And you know what? Maybe when my oldest was three and I showed up a certain way, 
But as I continued engaging and falling on my face and getting back up and growing and learning from those experiences, by the time that kid is 10 years later, <clears throat> is now 13 years old, 14 years old, now uh, I'm showing up totally different person because I've grown, I've transformed. And I could share that with my child. I could share that with my spouse. And when they see, hey, Abba is on a real path. Daddy is really working on himself and he's trying to become someone and he gets back up. Um, just like the verse says, right? The tzaddik falls seven times, righteous person falls seven times. Um, but he kept getting up. That's what I admire about him. That's what I respect. He wasn't a faker. He wasn't pretending. He wasn't trying to convince us that he was one thing, but really he was something else or he wouldn't hear anybody else's perspective other than his own. That was, that was, that was never the conversation. Instead, children get to see it. They're like sponges. They absorb how we behave, how we manifest much more than the pedagogy, meaning how we instruct them. Us living out authentic selves, vulnerable selves, um, showing up with genuine desire to be a leader in our home, that's a skill that as it grows and, and becomes solidified in us, that's a skill that one, we bring out with us into the work world, into the world outside our home. We can display that same leadership by using our home as a training ground. And two, our families by osmosis absorb what they see from us. And always remember that the biggest influence we make in lives, in, our, in people's lives that are around us, is by what we display, not by what we say. And so to show up with those leadership qualities, being able to be a good listener, to be able to be supportive, to hold space for our spouses, for our children, that's the spaces and moments within which we are growing. We're becoming bigger people. We are becoming godly human beings. Hope you enjoyed it. Thank you for joining us today. For questions, comments, topics you'd like to hear more about, or to try our 24-week relationship challenge, email us at relationshipreimagined at gmail.com.